Hi everyone, uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us uh, Ms. Nirmala Menon, uh, who is the founder of Interweave Consulting, uh, which is a professional diversity consulting organization. Uh, Nirmala is a graduate of XLRI Jamshedpur and Fox School of Business at Temple University. Uh, prior to entrepreneurship, uh, Nirmala had worked for companies such as ONGC and IBM. Uh, Nirmala was also one of the top 50 diversity professionals in the year 2015 as per a global diversity list by The Economist. Uh, hi, Nirmala. Welcome to ELI. Thank you. My pleasure, Priya Ranjan. Uh, I would request you to introduce yourself to our audience, please. Okay. Well, the full name is Nirmala Menon. Most people call me Nini and I'm quite comfortable with that. Um, I have about close to four decades of work experience behind me, um, you know, uh, starting in the early mid 80s, so to say to now and being a very fortunate person to have seen the workplace change like my generation has done, you know, from a time when if you walked into office uh, late by five minutes, you lost half a day's casual leave, mm -hmm. uh, which was a very done thing in those days to a time where we are working completely from home. Uh, I think my generation has seen the most number of changes, I would uh, think, and, you know, some phenomenal ones, all good. And uh, so I think we're fortunate to do that. So that's something that I bring very proudly to the table when we talk about uh, issues at work. Uh, tell us a bit about Interweave Consulting, what it is about. Okay, so Interweave is a consulting organization that is focused exclusively on diversity, equity, and inclusion solutions. We don't do anything else. And uh, when we started, this was such a new topic. People said, what's wrong with you? You know, is this even a topic that companies would want to take up? Because we started talking about this in 2006, 2007 timeframe, mm -hmm. when diversity and inclusion was not a word in the uh, dictionary of, you know, corporate leaders. Uh, and, uh, but we stuck with this and it came primarily from my experience with IBM because uh, I was one of those uh, people that had taken a long break mm -hmm. after my uh, child was born. I took about six years off, uh, which was quite uh, normal in those days that a lot of women quit work when they had a kid and all of that. So, uh, and when I wanted to come back in, once my daughter started school, nobody was willing to touch me with a barge pole. Mm -hmm. It was like you stayed away for so long, you must have lost all your skills and, you know, we really don't uh, think we have a position for you. We, your batchmates are now in senior positions, you'll have to report to them. And while I said I didn't really care about that, they, they had their internal parity issues and things like that. So nobody was really willing to hire me. And, uh, but I kept trying and eventually, um, you know, a, a senior of mine picked me up, saw me somewhere and he said, what are you doing? And I said, nobody's giving me a job. He said, come by. And, you know, I, I got a, a job and that helped me to get yet another job. Right. Mm -hmm. So I moved into IBM. And interestingly, my role was with uh, what is called the diversity and inclusion team, the multicultural and you know team. And uh, at that point, it really made no sense to me because I really hadn't uh, worked in that space. And I thought, OK, never mind. I'm just making a start. Let me get right into it. But once I stepped in, it just seemed like it opened up a whole new world because it really was about all of our experiences at work. And as a woman, it particularly appealed to me because I was one, also one of those people that had taken a break, wanted to come back in, had struggled with that. 
and now to a place where organizations are inviting women that have taken a break to come back mm. right so um, it it really has been a phenomenal uh, opportunity to explore some a space so challenging and uh, uh, you know uh, uh, an an impactful a uh, uh, a space that you can really create a lot of impact not just at an organizational level but at a social level so in that sense this has been a very very rewarding experience in every way uh yeah. wh- what is the market that you operate in at interweave and what is the uh, kind of uh, clients that you have okay um okay so most times people tend to think that diversity and inclusion is a very socially relevant subject and you know nobody would do this in the corporate sector but we've defined ourselves clearly as an organization that supports corporates on this uh, journey Mm-hmm. and uh, we work with a large number of clients all the big names really proud of our client list uh, you know from the amazons of the world to the microsoft to the you know everybody just about everybody in every sector whether it's pharma oil and energy uh, consumer products banking you know we have some of the top names that are uh, working with us and the 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 way we operate is simply that we go to them saying this is a message that most people haven't really understood you know because on the face of it why do we need to do something for a place that's working well organizations are making enough profits you know everybody seems happy you know we are all getting all these best employer uh, you know awards and all of that do we really need to put a spanner in this and bring in diversity because diversity means inviting differences and differences are a hotbed for conflicts to happen right so there is that question that is there so helping people to understand why this is important not just from an organizational point of view of you know it's going to increase your innovation and your bottom line and there's enough research on all of that but also appealing from a social and emotional angle telling them how this you know impacts you as an individual as a person who's aging i mean young people you know they're going to stay the same way but telling them you're going to age the disability is going to be a part of everybody's life so do we have a world that is going to be supportive of all kinds of people because eventually our journeys are also going to take us there right so it's appealing at different levels both to the rational mind as well as to the emotional uh, mind uh, to the emotional uh, heart that we kind of do our messaging and helping people to see the large picture to see the interdependencies of all our lives you know we cannot be an island of success in a land of uh, poverty right Absolutely. so in in that sense it's not sustainable it's just not the right thing to do you know morally incorrect in multiple ways the subject is a fascinating one simply because it sort of traverses and has intersections with every any subject that you can think of whether it's history geography psychology sociology management economics social justice politics you name it diversity and inclusion has a role in it and uh, therefore it's something that is about the lives and experiences of all of us so very interesting and challenging in, at the same time can you tell us how does uh, diversity play out in indian market uh, what does diversity mean to uh, the indian corporates and especially the startups okay so uh, you're talking about diversity we pride ourselves on being one of the most diverse in the world right True. um unity in diversity is a very catchy term that we use Correct. for india and you know in fact 
uh, people actually said, oh, this is such a foreign concept. We don't need it in India because we are a land of diverse people. But while the catchy phrase is very appealing, the reality on the ground is quite different. Now, I'm going to leave the social sector aside because, mm -hmm. you know, there are challenges and there's some stuff happening there. But if you look at the corporate sector, which is what we look at, it certainly is not representative of the historically uh, disadvantaged groups, right? Whether it's women, people with disabilities, people from the LGBTQ community, or people from small towns, you know, the, all of those differences play out in workplace dynamics. So mm -hmm. what we bring to the table for organizations is helping them to see that there is value in somebody who thinks and comes with a different perspective because you're appealing to a larger market, right? So having people like your consumers in your team helps you to reach out to your clients in a more, um, you know, in a, in a, it helps you to sort of uh, preempt their needs and come out with products that appeal, right? So in that sense, we kind of step in there to help organizations see that value and help them also to understand how to deal with diversity in the workplace. So bringing in diversity is an easy thing to do. It's about, you know, and companies are very good at it. You know, you put a order out there, hire so many people, people can go out and find those people, but retaining them mm. is a challenge. And that is where the whole piece around inclusion comes in, which is the more difficult part, you know, building equity into the system. You know, um, different groups of people have different challenges. A person with a disability needs additional support, reasonable support to be able to do the work that an able-bodied person can do, right? So can companies do it? Because they could look at it as, an issue that means additional resources, for example. So why should we take that trouble? So telling them that despite inconvenience and the slightly added costs that might be there, which eventually pays off for you in multiple ways, because increasingly, whether it is uh, other large organizations or governments around the world, uh, institutions are looking at organizations that are socially responsible. So whether you're a startup or a large company, I think increasingly there are government frameworks that are coming in, whether it's the ESG, whether it's the sustainable development goals, you know, around the world, this is a big topic. And diversity, equity, and inclusion is right at the core of all of this. It's about thinking right um, about human rights and, you know, uh, equitable societies, you know, because that's the only way to sustain um, our planet. It's, it's just not about profits anymore, right? Okay. Uh, outside the context of uh, diversity, uh, recruitment in general is a big challenge for startups. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, companies face a lot of trouble to find startup ready talents. So what did you say? Uh, or uh, mm -hmm. uh, should I ask, how do you go about hiring people yourself? What kind of people do you uh, look for when uh, hiring? Okay, um, so my kind of work, like I was saying, is a relatively new space. Uh, in a sense, when we started interview, it was not a topic, uh, you know, at all. And today it is a buzz, right? So everybody's talking about diversity equity. But at the time that I started, people thought I was crazy. And they said, oh, don't, we don't have any DEI work for you, but why don't you do some communication skills? Or why don't you do team building? Because there's a need for all of that. And that is how they kind of reached out to me. And at that point, I said, no, we do only diversity and inclusion work. Now, I, I, you know, a lot of people said you should pivot. I mean, you started with this, but there's no work coming your way. Maybe you should change your uh, plan. But somehow I was quite convinced 
that the market was quite unaware at that time about the challenges and this had to happen here because it was a big deal in the rest of the world and I had worked internationally a lot in this space and realized that the challenges for India are a little different from what it is in the West because mm. in the West race is a very very uh, important factor of course gender people with disabilities LGBT all of them are challenges but usually the very visible aspects of your diversity are where the challenges come from you know, you look at a person and, you know, you judge a book by its cover kind of a thing. So you look, oh, you're a woman, you can't fit this role, or you are from a small town or a college that I've not heard of, and therefore you can't be as good as somebody from an IIM or, a, um, you know, Madras IIT kind of, a, you know, feel about it. So we, we kind of uh, step in there and help companies to sort of understand that this is an important thing to do. And uh, in terms of the hiring itself, uh, we don't do for organizations. We've take, steered away from there because part of the work we do is also build leadership for women uh, at this point. And to some extent for other marginalized communities is something that we are beginning to do. But largely we sp spend quite a bit of time helping young women grow their leadership potential because what we have seen is that, you know, the historically disadvantaged groups like women, for example, though you could always point out exceptions, have had to struggle more in mm. terms of being accepted as leaders. And not just the outside world accepting them as leaders, but internally as well, giving themselves the legitimacy to lead. Because when you've constantly been told, you know, you should play second fiddle, your career is not as important as your husband's, etc., women themselves underplay their skills. Right. So helping them to do that. So all of these are very interesting aspects. And we have attracted people that have wanted to contribute in this space. Right. So the people that come to interview didn't come with the domain knowledge right away because this was a new topic. So I looked for people that had passion. And, you know, why is it that you want to do this? Now, of course, there are a lot more people interested in the space because there is a real opportunity you want sharp minds and for that we looked at people that were you know taking a break or you know weren't able to completely um, uh, offer themselves for full day work etc smart people that were at home wanted flexibility but were willing to you know put in uh, work and they were the ones that actually came on board for us and some of them have stayed on for many years and you know very proud to say that our first employee continues to be with us um, after 14 years so i've hired primarily for passion and uh, the you know attitude that they bring because to me uh, an employee at a small organization has to have great ownership you know you have to do what is required you have to fit in um, into whatever is the situation there and complement the others that are there. And, uh, you know, I used to tell them when I would hire, I'm calling myself the CEO of the company, but I open the door and step in. If the floor needs sweeping, I do it sometimes. If uh, the administration, uh, you know, if there is administrative work to be done, I do that. So I'm the clerk, I'm the CEO, I'm the security guard. Uh, all in all, in a lot of ways. And that's what I would expect of you. And that's the learning and growth for you as well. Yeah. It's just not learning your domain knowledge. It's also about picking up your leadership skills and learning how to work with teams, building relationships, all of that. So I think there's a lot of rich learning that the team gets. Yeah. Uh, would love to know more about your <coughs> journey as an entrepreneur. 
so to start with can can you tell us how did the transition happen from uh, an employee to an entrepreneur what uh, triggered that uh, transition okay um i've always claimed to be both a late bloomer and a accidental entrepreneur right so one thing that was clear to me was what i wanted i said yes i want a career but i want an equally uh, it was equally important for me to spend time with my family which is something that a lot of women would like because the conflicts are primarily around that right so the first almost 10 years uh, of my career i was working and picking up all the skills and everything and then i said i will quit work to have my daughter and enjoy her and when she started school is when i went back to work and i had the hardest time getting back in Mm -hmm. um and since then i have sort of um, you know been a big advocate for uh, people coming back because they come back with so much energy and you know a zeal to prove themselves especially mm -hmm. after a break right anyway so uh, that's when i kind of came in and i joined ibm and my ibm job took me internationally to various places where i learned a lot of the ropes around diversity and inclusion and i had also in my head sort of decided that i would take time off when my daughter turned got into her teens mm -hmm. um, because you know as an only child i wanted to kind of supervise her a little closely and make sure that she was in the right company and all of that so that was sort of at the back of my mind when i quit at the end and uh, and i i had all of this experience behind me and i was possibly one of the few people in india that had that kind of experience and i noticed that a lot of people were reaching out to me saying my company has started to talk about diversity and inclusion um, you know, we don't know anybody else who's done this, you know, what is this all about? Okay. So it started very informally as helping friends and, um, you know, people that call. Uh, so they were all informal chats and explaining things, et cetera. And slowly it sort of developed into a, a very wide area of interest for me. And I got completely involved in this and I saw a huge market opportunity, which uh, was lying dormant at that time. And I said, this is an area that needs to be explored. I took time off to spend time with my daughter. That really didn't happen. This interview, you know, kind of came into being, and a lot of my time was spent building that up because there was no market that existed. We had to create the market for it, help people understand what this meant and why they should invest in it. So, uh, almost the first five six years was all about um, trying to get people to understand what this was all about, and then slowly, you know, uh, the Bosch Act came, for example, creating a respectful workplace was a very is a very hygiene factor in creating an inclusive workplace. And while we were talking about it, there was while the um, you know the Bosch Act is uh, what is this? it's based on the uh, Vishaka guidelines were already there in place. Most companies are not compliant with it, not what was required. So those conversations started. And slowly we sort of moved in and we realized uh, that compared to the rest of the world, uh, India's issues are more around gender. The gender mm -hmm. disparity is what is more blatant. And like I said, the visible aspects of diversity are what comes into the picture the minute you talk about diversity, uh, cognitive diversity and all of that comes at a later stage. But, you know, your skin color, your gender and, you know, your behavior, mannerism, all of these catch people's attention and create the biases that we talk about. Mm. So in India, it has been primarily around gender. That's the focus for most organizations and fairly so for the simple reason that 
when you're talking about gender, it's 50% of your population. And that 50% also represents your people with disabilities and the LGBTQ community, people from different cultural, you know, social backgrounds, economic backgrounds, et cetera. So that's a large area of focus for most of our work. But, but again, when you're talking gender, today we have expanded our conversations to include the non-binary, right? It's not about only men and women, it's about the spectrum in between and the LGBTQ features very promptly, uh, prominently in that space. And we do work around that as well. So we have, in a sense, been responding to the market. And we've prided ourselves on being at the cutting edge of that, at least whatever is happening in the Indian marketplace, we have been able to sort of step in and do what, what was required. And we are evolving. We are completely evolving. There are no clear solutions. This is a long journey. It's about changing mindsets. And changing mindsets happens only through changing hearts. So right. it's a big, long journey that we are on, but a very rewarding one. What are the different challenges that you have faced along the way as an entrepreneur? Okay. When I talk about challenges, I think the minute you leave a corporate job and start as an entrepreneur, you're starting from ground zero. There is hmm. no background of you as a business person, right? And um, so you have to rebuild your credibility. So what would otherwise be a business card that you would hand out? It has your big company's name and your designation, and it immediately gives you an entry and a certain credibility to start talking. Hmm. But when you're a business person, the first time an entrepreneur, you know, nobody takes you that seriously saying, okay, you haven't proven yourself, but to prove yourself, you need those few jobs that you need to work on to be able to say, look, this is what I have done. And uh, I, I sort of realized that, uh, you know, you had to put all of your ego and everything aside because this is about starting all over again. It's your passion and you need to do it. So it meant kind of uh, uh, letting yourself be uh, overspoken by people, um, you know, accepting that they're not giving you the respect that you would, that you're otherwise used to, etc. But mm. eventually, it all paid off. In fact, I do remember uh, that our initial uh, projects of, you know, workshops and things like that, that we have done, we've done them at a very low fee, simply for the reason to just get that job and, you know, to be able to put it in our history and say, we've done this. Right. Mm. So uh, a lot of people advised at that time, you know, some good friends and well-wishers said, don't start yourself so low because you will never be able to claim uh, a higher fee later on. But uh, to me at that time, it seemed like I needed to do this just to sort of convince myself and the market because I was starting out in a very different geography on this. And, uh, and, and that paid off. I mean, we were very quickly able to ramp up on our commercials and everything uh, once we started to deliver. So that's been a very important uh, experience. You know, it, it was a dilemma. What should we do? Should we go um, down this path or should we just pitch ourselves at a higher level and you know, wait for work to come? We just chose to start small and I'm very proud to say we've grown as a team. I think um, it's a team that has come together very nicely, stayed together. And even the pandemic, you know, we managed to ride through while a lot of organizations had to let go of employees or you know cut salaries, et cetera, we considered those options because business certainly came down. Everything came down, and you know two three months were completely uh, mm. down, uh, which has again happened with the third wave with you know the people right. in the organization falling 
sick and clients falling sick, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, those are little bumps that we've been able to take care of and uh, continue. So in that sense, I feel proud that we've uh, got back to you know, the pre-pandemic levels of work um, and going strong, yeah. What is the meaning of entrepreneurship for you? How would you define the term entrepreneur? Okay. Um, I think um, an entrepreneur, like when I started off, it was more a proprietorship. Okay. okay, so it was a job that I was doing. It was giving me an income. It was keeping me occupied. I think I turned an entrepreneur when I set myself up as a, uh, you know, company and incorporated the uh, company and, um, you know, as a private limited company and decided I wanted to build an institution. Okay. Um, you know, it's about creating value uh, that will stay beyond me. It is not just a source of income for me, but more uh, uh, a vehicle for a larger purpose. Um, so I think that would be a very key difference between, uh, you know, a good employee or a worker or uh, even a proprietor for that matter, who's in business, but uh, is different from an entrepreneur. So I think to that extent, um, you know, setting up an organization, employing people, giving them jobs, giving them careers. And I'm so happy that some of our people have gone on to uh, bigger organizations and bigger roles, mm. which is great because then it brings in, um, you know, more people into the organization. And we have a lot of people that call in uh, saying the work that you do is so exciting. We'd like to be part of this organization. And we don't take them all in a hurry because, you know, we, as a business, it's not one of those businesses where you can scale exponentially. Correct. It's a business that has to be grown cautiously because it's also a very slippery slope in terms of the nuances associated with it. Mm. You know, one wrong term, one wrong, uh, you know, example can create a lot of, uh, um, you know, in, you know, un uninvited uh, criticism. So. Uh, even when we're trying to do our best, it's very possible because all of this is evolving. It's a new topic, you know, how you gender people, what you refer to them as, the pronouns that you use, the terminologies that you use, et cetera, constantly evolving. So kind of being on top of that is a very important requirement. So we are growing slowly, but I think we now have a fairly good base on which we can build larger solutions and we're looking at that. Yeah. My final question for you, tell us what are the interesting lessons that you have learned as an entrepreneur, which we can take away and apply to our ventures? Okay. Um, see, I think being an entrepreneur is all about taking risks. It's about passion. It's about belief in yourself and the solution that you're bringing in, you know, being able to stick it through a difficult period because there will be a lot of people that will say this is not going to work and it's very easy to get discouraged um, but at the same time being open enough to pivot if required also you know so it's really a, a bunch of different things that you need to be so while you need to be um, you know passionate about the idea that you want to pursue be realistic uh, check if this is going to make sense etc and proceed um, now, for a business like mine, which is primarily built on your knowledge and skill, there wasn't a lot of investment that was required. Mm -hmm. So from that angle, it was really about the time that I was putting in that was required. You know, but if you're putting in money, I think you will need to do a far more uh, detailed plan of how you're going to go about uh, you know, managing your business. 
um, and, and there have been times when people have reached out and said, we'd like to take stakes in your company, et cetera. I haven't felt the need for it mm. uh, because you know we've grown slowly. And I think that was also a very conscious decision in a sense, um, uh, because you know this subject is evolving slowly and there's no way in which you can suddenly kind of grow and say, I got it all. I don't think anywhere in the world, anybody has cracked the code, right? We're all trying and it's a long journey. So we were very clear on that. Uh, aspect. So in terms of a learning, it was really about um, stepping out of your comfort zone. You know, uh, it, it really took a lot of courage to go out there and say, hey, you haven't thought about this, but here is something that you should think about. Selling a new idea, creating a market was a, a very challenging part of uh, what I did. Um, and in a sense, as a person as well, I have been fairly unconventional in a lot of ways. I was one of those people that went to the US to study, but chose to come back to India. You know, I broke a stereotype of those days when, you know, people just moved and they never came back because America was the dreamland to be in. I wasn't like that. I married a junior of mine from college. I was one of those people that quit work uh, uh, on a couple of occasions, once to go and study and another time when I had my daughter, you know, so I have done these things, stepped in and out. So in a sense, I was used to breaking uh, the norm in a lot of different ways. And I think all of that served me well, because when I started the uh, interview, I'm doing something different. Let's see where it goes. And um, quite happy to, you know, say that it has got to where I'm very pleased and happy. I mean, thanks tremendously to the team that has been with me. And, you know, I really couldn't have achieved any of this without that. So passionate team of women because somehow women have been the ones that have stepped up and said you know we want to do this work because possibly because they are the affected group or whatever it's been hard to get more men into the team but we do have we do have a three four men right now in our team which is a big um, you know achievement i feel you know to have very senior men participating in some of our work is just a fascinating thing to have they are the yeah. diversity inclusion, if I might. <laughs> uh, they are, they are. <laughs> As we started out, it was, in fact, it's so funny because uh, when we were looking at hiring people, like I said, I would have long conversations with them and ask them why and, and tell them very, very, uh, in a very transparent way, what they can expect, you know, who I am as a kind of person, what are my work uh, values and standards and what I would like, et cetera, et cetera. So it would go over a period of time. And occasionally people would say, it's an organization of women and women can be difficult with each other. Are you facing that problem? I said, why do you think I'm having these long conversations? That's actually to let you know that, you know, we want people that will build on each other's strength and we need to build that sisterhood of, support and I, I I really I keep my fingers crossed because anything can change anytime but I'm very very proud to say that we have a team that's very supportive and uh, you know uh, has each other's backs in every way yeah so it is a big uh, achievement I feel because people have asked me this question you know women have asked me that question yeah uh, well on this note I think uh, we have come to the end of the session thanks for your time mm -hmm. Nimala and our best wishes sure. for interview. Thank you. Thanks, Vyaranjan. Pleasure to have spoken with you.